devotional podcast to make sure you have the spiritual nourishment that you need to make it through these difficult times. On Wednesdays, we're working our way through the book of Ecclesiastes, and as we've noted, the theme of the book is Solomon's pursuit of meaning in life through everything under the sun, that is, in all things apart from the Lord, only to find it all vanity or meaningless. I realize that some of these passages can be a little depressing, but it's important to see his full examination of a life void of the Creator before we can fully appreciate his conclusion, which you can find in chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. As always, I want to encourage you to read the entire book of Ecclesiastes in one setting to hear his full argument on the futility of life apart from the Lord. Today we are in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Normally I'll cover the entire chapter, but today I'm going to focus on only two portions. We're going to start with the first four verses. Let's go to the scripture. Verse 1. A good name is better than precious ointment, and the day of death is better than the day of birth. It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of the face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. Again, this is not very uplifting, but it is insightful. Why would Solomon say the day of death and times of mourning and sorrow would be better than the days of feasting, laughter, and rejoicing? Think about the difference between a wedding and a funeral. When all is good and happy, we enjoy the moment, the hope of a happily ever after, and we tend not to think of eternal things. But when our hearts are broken and the unescapable reality of death has our undivided attention, we start to weigh the eternal value of things. Eternity is a long time, and we would be careless not to devote some time in the here and now to consider eternity. Hebrews 9.27 says it's important for man to die once and then comes the judgment. At that moment, all the riches and wisdom of this world can neither buy you one more minute nor tip the scales in your favor. But what about all the good things we've done in life? Won't those count for anything? The Bible also says our righteous acts are as filthy rags. God wants perfection. In verse 20 says, Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. So that disqualifies all of us from the perfection needed for eternal life. There is good news, however. God loves you dearly and has made a way back to himself. His holiness demands the absence of sin. That is perfection. His justice requires that sin be punished. But in his love, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to pay your sin debt and maintain his justice. And at the same time, he makes you righteous. That is perfect in his sight so that you may have eternal life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might have the righteousness of God. My friends, that is the great exchange. Now listen, we've all probably had the thought, why can't we just get saved and go straight to heaven? I know I have. But that puts us in really good company because the Apostle Paul felt the same desire. In Philippians 1, 23 and 24, he says, I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is better by far, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. You see, God still had work to do in and through Paul, including planting churches and writing a good portion of the New Testament. Part of God's plan for you and I is to work in and through us as well. In so doing, he will, one, bring about scripture and circumstances to conform you to his image, and two, use you to draw others to himself. Because of that, he gives us plenty of opportunities to enjoy his blessings and experience adversities. How is he going to do it? Well, Solomon addresses this in verses 13 and 14. He says, Consider the work of God, 
Who can make straight what he has made crooked? In the day of prosperity be joyful. In the day of adversity consider that God has made one as well as the other, so that man may not find out anything that will be after him. Isaiah 55.9 tells us that his ways are higher than ours. God may choose to make things a little crooked at times to accomplish his will. Now you may be like me. I can tend to be direct and to the point, and out of expedience rush through adversity, but run the risk of missing out on what he's trying to show me. Sometimes God will take the longer, less direct, yet more effective route to stir in us the change that he desires. It could be that what you saw as an interruption in your schedule, like a flat tire or what was supposed to be a quick trip to the grocery store, God used as an opportunity to minister to you or to have you minister to someone you otherwise would not have met. We don't mind welcoming the days of prosperity and joy, but why do we have to experience the adversity? Solomon says that God made both of them so that we may not know the future. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift come down from the Father, which may account for the prosperity, but again, why the adversity? Let's answer that question with a question. When do you pray more? In times of prosperity or in times of adversity? Maybe you've discovered, especially in this past crazy year, that when we don't have all the assurance that everything's going to be well, we're forced to turn to Him in dependence. Think of it this way. If the only time we called on God is when we needed something, could it be that a loving God may orchestrate events in such a way that we would call on Him more? Some of us do this as parents, don't we? In letting our children learn something the hard way. Oh, it's painful to watch. It'd be a lot easier just to jump in and do it for them. But in that adversity, they may learn two priceless lessons. One, perseverance to overcome obstacles. Or two, the humility to learn to ask for help. Again, none of us enjoy those times of adversity and hardship, but some of the sweetest fellowship with the Lord comes in times of the most despair. If we never turn to Him in prosperity or adversity, we are in jeopardy of becoming arrogant and self-reliant. It may be helpful to circle, underline, or highlight verse 14 as a reminder that God makes those times of prosperity and adversity for His purposes to conform us to His image. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know there's more to our existence than just this life. Thank you for the hope that we have of eternal life with you because of your provision for us in Christ. We know that you love us enough not to leave us in the condition you found us. We'll even thank you for those hardships you allow us to endure that cause us to know you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Join us here Monday through Friday for more devotions from the Bible Fellowship family and on Sundays for our services streamed live on YouTube and Facebook. You can also join us in person on Sundays for service at 9 and 11 a.m. and at 6 p.m. for our evening service. Go to our website, www.bfcsebring.com, for the links to services, and be sure to download our new app. Have a blessed day.